Good I'm morning. Tracy. I'm Teresa Wilson, president of the Vow Foundation, here with Lisa Mancini, chief clinical officer at Helio Health, for a spotlight interview as part of the 2020 Oswego County Safe Fair. Hi, Lisa. Morning, how are you? I'm great, thanks. Lisa, please give us a little history about Helio Health and its mission. Sure. So Helio Health actually is celebrating our 100 year anniversary this year. Um, unfortunately, with COVID, we're not able to celebrate like we would like to. Um, but we do trace our roots going back to 1920 um, to a nonprofit, you know, way back then. Um, in 1959, we had the first um, certified men's community residents to serve individuals with alcoholism. Um, and from there, we, we kind of expanded into other levels of treatment. Um, we, today, we have outpatient services, inpatient services, um, as well as you know, additional residential services that have grown since that time. Um, our mission is to promote recovery from the effects of substance abuse and mental health um, and other health issues in our community. Great, thank you. Um, what services do you provide for folks in Oswego County? <clears throat> sure. So for individuals in Oswego County, um, they are, you know, we serve a lot of individuals um, from Oswego in our services that are in Syracuse, our physical locations. So any of those services are certainly um, available to folks in Oswego County. Um, but more specifically, we do have a program called um, CODI, which stands for Center of Treatment Innovation. And what the CODI team does, um, it's a grant-funded program um, that was funded um, by Oasis a few years ago. And we cover about five counties in the central New York region, with Oswego being one of them. But this is a team of mobile um, peers and clinicians that can come out and respond to an individual's home, um, meet them at you know, a Dunkin' Donuts, um, meet them in, in a parking lot, wherever the individual feels safe, um, engaging with somebody to discuss treatment options. Um, our team will come, come right to them, right to their family um, and, and meet with them and, and try to engage them into services if that's what they're interested in. We also, um, I think we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but we also have the Regional Open Access Center for Addictions um, in Syracuse, which again, covers um, the central New York region, including Oswego County. So that's another um, service that can help do assessments and connect people to services um, as well. So any of our services in Syracuse um, are open and, and accessible to folks in Oswego, but those two services specifically are targeted for the region. And um, certainly Oswego is one of those counties that we, we seek to um, assist. Wonderful, thanks. Um, Lisa, tell us about the new regional inpatient facility, Elements of Central New York. Sure. So Elements is a newer program that opened in February of this year. Um, Elements actually is, um, although it kind of, you know, looks like an inpatient program in terms of its setup, it's actually um, a, a residential program under the OASIS regulations. Um, they, a couple years ago, OASIS is um, decided to change their regulations in terms of residential and um, go from the older model that has community residences and supportive living to a new model that includes uh, multiple levels of care called stabilization, rehabilitation, and reintegration. So this new program, Elements, which is located in Liverpool, actually contains all three of those elements of care in one building. So hence the name Elements. Uh, we include all the, the three options that OASIS offers. So that's a 75-bed facility um, located in Liverpool, as I mentioned. 
that offers 55 beds of destabilization and rehabilitation, which are the two kind of higher levels of care um, in, that, in that setting. And then we have 20 apartments, um, their efficiency apartments that are um, the reintegration program. So the stabilization uh, level of care is a really great option for individuals who maybe um, need some assistance with um, some, you know, very mild withdrawal symptoms, um, suffering from some pretty severe cravings that they may not be able to manage on their own. Um, it's a fairly short length of stay for stabilization. It could be, you know, a week to two weeks potentially in that level of care. There's medication management available. Um, we have medical staff on site um, daily in that program um, to support individuals who may be, you know, still feeling those withdrawal symptoms and having some medical or psychiatric complications. Um, the next level of care that program offers is called residential rehabilitation. So that, again, will still help individuals who, if, you know, are still having some cravings and urges. It focuses a lot on um, just healthy behavior. So helping individuals um, prepare to go back and live independently in the community. It's focused a lot on um, social, you know, socialization, educational, vocational services. We have a vocational counselor on site. Um, we have a psychiatric nurse practitioner, a psychiatrist that comes in and sees individuals, and as I mentioned earlier, um, nursing on site daily to help ensure individuals are taking the medications appropriately and to provide any support that they may need um, in that regard. The reintegration program is a bit more independent. Um, we still have case managers that would work with individuals and help them towards educational vocational goals financial goals so that they will eventually be able to move out of that efficiency apartment and into their own apartment in the community, um, you know, more independently. Um, individuals can enter that program at any level of care. They don't have to come in at stabilization and, and kind of move through. They could be admitted into directly into stabilization, into reintegration, um, or the rehabilitation levels of care. Thanks, Lisa. Um, do you have any openings in those programs? We do. Um, actually, I checked yesterday. Um, there are still some beds available in the stabilization and the rehabilitation uh, program. It does change daily because the length of stay can be fairly short, especially as I mentioned for that stabilization. It could be, you know, two weeks or so or less. So if somebody comes for stabilization and, and um, chooses to go to another program or, or return home and go to outpatient, um, you know, people could come and go in a couple of weeks. So it does change daily, but there are beds available. Um, the reintegration level of care, which is those apartments, tend to have a longer length of stay. Um, we do have just a couple open at this point in time. Again, I, I looked at it yesterday, so I'm not sure um, if folks are planning to move in this week, but there were um, a couple apartments available as of yesterday. But as I mentioned, those, you know, that can change if, if um, folks move in. That has a little bit longer length of stay, so they don't um, open as, as much as those uh, stabilization and rehab beds. Thank you. Now, you have another facility called Willows. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Sure. So the Willows um, is an inpatient program. Um, so that program has 65 beds and it has beds that are called medically supervised withdrawal and stabilization. So those are um, commonly referred to as detox services, although they are, you know, they're community-based, they're not actually, you know, a hospital detox, but we are able to work with individuals who have moderate to mild withdrawal symptoms at that level of care. 
And that is a, that's a pretty short length of stay. So the medically supervised withdrawal and stabilization is usually about three to five days um, in that level of care. And then in the same building, we do have an inpatient rehab um, that's a part of that program as well. That's about uh, a little bit longer, maybe three weeks um, would be an average length of stay for that program. And it provides uh, individual and group counseling. We have nurses in the, on site 24 hours a day to, again, support medication management, um, vital signs, anything that, that may be going on with the individual in that program. Um, it's been a, a nice transition um, now that we have elements that individuals can uh, come into the Willows, go to the withdrawal and stabilization services, potentially into the inpatient rehab. And it's a nice transition from the Willows actually into the elements program. Um, it is a lower level of care. So folks who may be completing three weeks at the Willows, but still need some additional structure before they're you know, ready or feeling comfortable to go back into the community and live independently, um, they could transition into elements and have some additional, um, you know, that support of staff that's available kind of 24-7. But again, the Willows is a little bit more medically focused um, because it's an inpatient. And then the residential um, and elements is a little bit more um, social, leisure, vocational, educational. Um, we have a, a certified peer recovery advocate on staff that will work with folks and help them um, develop some recovery plans for when they, you know, leave and go back into the community. So um, both of those programs are a great option for folks who um, need some support to, you know, kind of be independent um, in the community with the recovery. And are there openings at Willows at this time? There are on um, the Willows. Again, it varies. Um, the Willows typically runs at, at about 90, 95% utilization um, throughout the month. So they, they do stay pretty full. So it is, again, it, it varies day by day. So again, I did check yesterday and they had a couple beds open, but they, they, um, there are a much shorter length of stay than elements. So even if someone were to call today and there was not a bed, um, that could change, you know, it could change that day, it could change the next day. Um, so don't be discouraged there, you know, there is, there is a lot of more turnover in that program because of that very short length of stay, the three to five days in the detox, and then the three weeks in the inpatient. So. Um, it's pretty accessible. There's not there's not usually quite a you know a long wait to get into that program. Sounds like a wide variety of programs. Do you tailor them specific to the individual's needs? Yeah. So we we really try to um, you know provide patient centered care. So working with individuals to tailor their treatment towards you know what they want to work on. Um, at our inpatient program, we do offer a variety of group counseling sessions. And when the person, a person is coming into the program, um, they are able to kind of um, you know look at, I guess I call it like a menu of services. And you know they may be able to, to attend groups that are um, specifically for individuals with co-occurring disorders or folks who are involved in the criminal justice system. Um, so they can kind of attend groups that are relevant to their particular um, situation so that they can get the, the most out of treatment that, you know, they can while they're there. Um, we have the counselors that work there and, and also our discharge planners will work with individuals to develop a discharge plan that, you know, meets their goals, whether they want to move into a residential program, um, you know, if they have a safe place to return home and go to outpatient, that can be explored with the individual. So um, definitely each program and discharge plan is tailored you know, to the individual and what they would like to work on. Thank you. That sounds like a lot of, uh, lot of hope for people, a lot different than it used to be 
You know, it's not just a straightforward, this is how you do it. You got choices. Exactly. That, that probably makes a lot of people feel better about getting treatment. Yeah, because everybody's not the same and everybody comes from a different place and has different, you know, skills and um, tools in place for them. And we want to be able to, you know, provide people with what they need instead of providing, you know, a cookie cutter approach that everybody needs the, the exact same thing to be successful. Great. Lisa, tell us about the Regional Open Access Center for Addiction. Sure. So we lovingly call that ROCA because that's quite a mouthful to say what you just did. Um, so our, um, the ROCA um, is located in Syracuse at 329 North Salina Street, which is also um, the home of our outpatient clinic. Um, but essentially, uh, ROCA is a 24-7 service that provides assessment and referrals to individuals that are seeking assistance. So somebody can walk into the clinic um, or now, you know, with COVID, we really moved a lot of things to telehealth. Um, we're doing a lot of things telephonically. So somebody could call or walk in if they prefer. We are, you know, we are doing screenings at the door um, to ask about risk, risk factors. We're taking temperatures, you know, making sure that people are safe if they do come to the building. Um, but somebody can walk in. We have staff uh, physically there 24 hours a day. They can meet with a person who's maybe contemplating services and doesn't really know where to start, or maybe they know exactly what they're looking for, um, and they're and they're coming in to see if that, that you know the, somebody at the program can help them get there. Um, but we'll do uh, an assessment with the person, determine what would be the appropriate um, level of treatment for them if that's what they're interested in, and we'll make a referral uh, to get them there. If they do need a detox or an inpatient level of care, we try to get them there right then. Um, we don't wanna send them home and get them an appointment for two or three days later. Um, if at all possible, we will make those phone calls and get them, we'll drive them there, uh, you know, right then and there. We are not, it's not an inpatient program, but if somebody were to come in, you know, at 2 a.m. or midnight, um, we will allow them to stay with us, you know, in, until the morning when we can get them, you know, drive them to a program Sometimes programs don't have the capacity or there isn't somebody available to, you know, make the decision to say, yep, bring them on over, you know, admit them. So we'll allow the person to stay with us. We can, you know, monitor them. We'll, you know, give them something to eat while they're waiting. Um, and then in the morning, we will we'll, um, make some phone calls and get them over to wherever we can um, if there's a bed available. Great. Um, so if someone wants to do an assessment or talk about these things via online, like telehealth, similar to how we're doing this interview, that is available for people? Yeah, we're using, um, we do have, we're using right now Microsoft Teams a lot with our, with our patients. So they're able to, um, you know, they can call, we can do things over the phone um, and they can have phone conversations or we're also able to send them a link similar to Zoom where they would just click on a link and they're able to do this video um, chat with a counselor as well. So we've, we've been doing a lot of that. Um, we are also um, narrowing down our search for just a permanent telehealth, um, an actual telehealth platform besides um, Teams or Zoom because I think that COVID has shown us there's a lot, there's a lot um, of ways to be efficient um, with, in providing services and not having folks travel. Um, you know, it makes it easier for maybe a parent to receive services if they have kids at home and they're not able to come into the clinic to receive services. Uh, telehealth may be a much better option for them. Um, we've seen some improvement actually in our 
rates of individuals attending their medication management appointments because those appointments typically are short if somebody's already on a medication and it's a, you know, a follow-up with their provider to just get some updates or a refill. They may be a 15, 20-minute appointment if everything else is going okay. Um, we've actually seen an increase in, in our patients showing up for those appointments via telehealth um, than they were in person because they don't have to take, you know, a 20-minute bus ride to and from for a 15-minute appointment. They can just, you know, simply press a link and log in and see their provider and, you know, go back about their day. So um, we are looking to, you know, planning to make telehealth a more permanent part of our um, services in the future. But today with COVID, we are certainly doing that. Um, we want people to stay home and stay safe. We understand that not everybody has um, internet. We understand there's parts of, you know, several of the counties we work with, including Oswego, that do have, you know, difficult time with internet access. And sometimes the video um, is difficult for folks to do if they don't have good internet access or a laptop or a good smartphone. So we are able to do a lot of things just over the telephone right now as well. So we don't want there to be any uh, barriers to people receiving services um, during this pandemic or at any time. I really think that telehealth and over the phone is a super idea in so many ways. I mean, if someone wants someone to talk to, they don't have to think about arranging a ride or finding transportation or the stigma of other people wondering where they're going, what are they doing? There's so many benefits to that. I'm really happy that, that it's, it's getting geared up to be very good service. Yeah, exactly. I think also the, the beauty, as I mentioned earlier, of the, the CODI team, we have the Center of Treatment Innovation, is that they also will come, you know, they will come to you. So that was even before the pandemic. Um, but transportation, especially from, um, you know, some of the surrounding counties that we work with, to get to Syracuse to the Open Access Center could have been a challenge. So the CODI team, you know, I think they're both really great services for folks who are looking to receive services, but maybe don't know exactly what program they want to go to. So, you know, ROCA is a great option if they want to call us or come in in person, you know, we can see them there. Or CODI um, would be an alternative where we would come to you. So we could send somebody to your, to your home or, or a place that you're comfortable and we could do the assessment um, there instead of you coming to us. So either of those services are, um, you know, we can do that safely, avoids the person having to, you know, worry about transportation, um, but either one of those would be a great way for somebody to reach out and, and you know, have an assessment and kind of figure out what, what would make sense for them in terms of treatment. Can we talk a little more about these certified peers? Um, you know, if someone wanted a certified peer, which is someone who has been through the program, um, to come to come talk to you, to come talk to you about your, I don't know, your relative or yourself. What do you do? How, how do you get hooked up? Sure. I think Cody would be a great place to start for that. Um, Cody employs probably the most peers at our agency. Um, they have a great team of peers that will talk with individuals or their families about, you know, it's treatment, what you expect, um, you know, how to engage in services. And they come from, as you mentioned, you know, they come from the perspective of somebody who's, you know, in recovery or worked with or had a family member that's in recovery. So they really have a different perspective maybe than um, a clinician would. So they, you know, they're, they're very um, successful in engaging people um, in services and getting them, you know, kind of working through, you know, somebody's kind of in that pre-contemplation, not really sure if they 
they don't want to go to treatment, maybe they're a little bit worried about it. Um, peers are just excellent at really talking to them from someone who's been through, you know, been through it themselves and how, you know, maybe their life was improved after they received services or um, decided to start attending 12-step meetings or, you know, whatever, whatever worked for them. You know, they're, they're able to share their experience and just, be, you know, their way doesn't mean that some, everybody else has to do it their way, but they're, they're, they come from it from a different perspective and they are really quite successful in working with individuals and it's just really at their own pace. So, it may take several conversations or, or several visits before somebody decides that they want to go to treatment or go to a meeting or call a counselor. Um, but the peers are, that's what they're there for. So they will have as many conversations or discussions as it takes um, with the person before they decide they want to you know, make a change, but they'll be there to support them whenever they're ready for that. Thank you, Lisa. Now, where can people get more information about all these programs and at Helio Health? Sure, so um, our website would be a great place to start. So our website is www.helio.health. Um, so there's no org or com at the end. I know sometimes that can be confusing people, but it's um, helio, H-E-L-I-O, dot health um, is where folks can go to find out um, information about these services. Um, Oasis also has a hope line that folks can call if they are looking for um, services or some support. <clears throat> so there's, that's on the OASIS website um, as well, that they can, that's a more generic kind of helpline or hotline that folks can call um, for services. I do have some information um, for, you know, Cody or for Roca. If folks want to call um, our open access center, the phone number is 315-471-1564. Um, they can call there and speak to a counselor. Um, you know, or a peer at that number that and somebody should be available 24-7 at that location. Thank you so much, Lisa, for being with me today. Sure, thanks for having us. Have a great day. Thanks, you too.